Good morning. As uh, I was thinking about what to share with you this morning, uh, the Lord led me to Psalm 138. Um, There is a lot wrapped up in this psalm that as you just read through it, it's easy to overlook. And one of the things that as we read through this, I want you to keep in mind uh, is the fact that David is attempting to express the greatness of God. He struggles in every one of his psalms to be able to adequately express this sense of the greatness of God. He uses many different words on many different occasions. A lot of his life experience is a piece of this. But as we go through this, one thing that is very clear, the mission of God for man his pursuit of mankind is laid out in the context of this psalm. It's hard to see as you read through it, but as we walk through Psalm 138 this morning, I think you'll begin to see what God has for us. It's a reminder of the fact that God pursues us, and that's a very important truth one that is repeated over and over throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, this mission of God, that God has a purpose for you. As we begin to open his word this morning, let's pray. Father, enlighten us this morning. Speak your truth. Allow us to be able to hear your voice. Spirit of God, work in our hearts in a way that only you can to challenge, encourage, and to enlighten us that we would become more like you. Thank you for David, for his experience, for the good and the bad that he went through that allows us to be able to see you in this light and for, to, for him to have written these words. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 138, I uh, read through chapter by chapter of the Bible every day. Uh, I do not miss. It's one of my commitments to God. Uh, it's also a commitment to my kids because as I read through God's Word, uh, if you're to look at my Bible, it is a mess. Full of notes, thoughts, what God shares with me through His Word each morning. And when I finish a Bible, I hand it off to my next kid. So this is Monica's Bible, or no, Henry's Bible. And often, as I think about uh, what I'm writing and what God lays on my heart, it's often a little, there's a little bit of Henry in this. Things that I think he needs to hear. 
as well as things that God is teaching me. Because I want each of my kids to know my heart. And I think that's what David was sharing with us, why he was so descriptive in his psalms. It's because he wanted us to know his heart, because it was a heart after God, right? I mean, he was a man after God's own heart. And he was committed in his life, despite his sinfulness, to demonstrate to his children, his grandchildren, who God is. This morning, I'd like to uh, go through, uh, we won't read the entire psalm immediately, but we'll go through verse by verse and pick out some of the highlights of these verses as the Lord has laid them on my heart to share with you this morning. So, beginning with, can you read that okay? Can you see that okay? Uh, one thing that I found as I was going through this, the various translations have used uh, like a lot of different words. Um, and so if what you're reading out of your Bible looks different than this, this is the uh, Christian Standard Bible edition, one that I'm reading. And uh, one that is pretty close to the original Hebrew in this context. Um, but there is a variety of vocabulary used. Uh, and so you'll, you'll see that the words that you might be reading are considerably different than this. But what I would like to do is go back to the original Hebrew this morning and, and share some of the big pieces of what God has for us in this and what David w wanted to communicate. I will give you thanks with all my heart. I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. Um, there is a lot in verse 1. I will give you thanks with all my heart. How often do we bear our entire soul, our heart, our mind before God? All my heart. It's easy for us to give God a part of our heart. But we, do we give him our whole heart? And here David challenges us to, to look at God with our whole heart, our whole being, and to commit that to him. He says, I will sing your praise before the heavenly beings. Interesting thing here, the Hebrew here, when it uses the word, the translations use the word sing, it's a playing music with your fingers. How many of you play a musical instrument? Some. Many of, many of you do not, right? It's probably a good thing. So this idea of singing or playing an instrument and singing and playing music um, translates into something a little bit different. David played a musical instrument what do you do with your fingers, with your hands? What do you do? 
I believe that in his expression of praising God with his whole heart, David was emphasizing the fact that whatever God has given you, whatever he has skilled you with, praise him with that. Could be a mechanic, could be a welder, could be a, a, a teacher who's in, touching children with her hands, or it could be a number of anything that God has skilled you, gifted you with. It's important that we not overlook this reality that what we have has been given us by God and we in that way can uniquely praise him with that. Now, many of us have heard that you know the right brain comes alive with music, right? And that as we sing that we are using our whole heart and mind in praising God. So, yes, but. There are some people I've heard that would be better off praising God a different way. <laughs> but the reality is, is that God has given each of us gifts. What has he given you? I will bow down toward the holy temple. Wait a minute. One thing. Heavenly beings. Heavenly beings. Hmm. Some ways, or some translations say gods there, right? Use the word gods. Um, as, as you look at this, uh, there are a lot of different translations. Some say judges, some use the words gods, some say heavenly beings. And largely, this is David saying that whoever is important on this earth, God is greater. Whoever we go to for advice or counsel or look at as being important or noteworthy, God is bigger. These people are nothing. So I praise you before these people saying that they, in contrast to you, are insignificant. It's not Pat Mahomes. It's not Travis Kelsey. It's not Don Trump. It's not... You can replace it with anyone there who is at the headlines today. God is greater. And it's important for us because we often flip it around. It's not your family. It's not your kids. It's not even your ministry. It's God. Greater than all these things. And unless we have the right order, we're going to be miserable. And so David emphasizes here, we're taking a long time on verse 1, that God is more important than anything that this earth raises up as being important. Anything. Anyone. 
Verse 2, I will bow down to your, toward your holy temple. The temple had not yet been erected at this point. So most Bible scholars believe that this is perhaps the tabernacle. It is the place where God is. I will bow down to your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your constant love and truth. Your constant love and truth. There is nothing like God's love. We know this, that God's love is unique, that it compares to no love that we know on this earth. We cannot do anything to merit God's, merit God's love, right? Uh, we can't be good enough. We can't be sinless enough. Uh, we cannot do the things that please God enough. He simply loves us. And the love expressed in this verse is a love that's loving kindness. If you wanted to interpret that word in, in Hebrew, it's loving kindness. In other words, it's a demonstration of love. It's not just, I love you. It's a demonstration of God's loving kindness, love in action. So, mercy, for example, not getting what we deserve, is a demonstration of God's love. He demonstrates his mercy towards us by not giving us what we deserve. Eternal condemnation, eternal punishment. And this is a demonstration of God's love. The truth. Do you know how God's truth impacts us? Just think of the contrast to that, where the world full of its untruth, distruth, non-truth, whatever you want to call it, permeates society. And yet God's word stabilizes society. We'll see that in just a little bit, at near, closer to the end of the sermon this morning. There's an influence from God's truth on all of our lives. The only way we get it is as we read God's word. As we become more familiar with the truth in God's word. God is a God of truth. It's a stabilizing factor in our lives. It gives us purpose so that everything that is said in God's word, we know it to be true. And it's something that we can hold on to. And David reminds us of this. But in these first two verses, he wants us to remember that the relationship between this great God and man, you and I, demands all that we have. Everything. 
God is greater. Now, the 26th of January, 44 years ago, I was busy preparing lobster and steak and had water music playing in the background as I proposed to my wife. Yeah, I'm a romantic. Um, I had stashed the ring in a, uh, the pocket of a pair of bib overalls that she had been hoping to get for her birthday. That was a thing back then. So um, I had her open up the bib overalls and I said, check the pockets, and she checked the pocket and there was a the ring. Um, Just the other day, as I was talking to her, I said, if you would have known all of the things that happened over the last 44 years, would you have said yes back then? And she said, no way. <laughs> this idea of saying yes to God and allowing him to take the driver's seat is, it requires an initial yes, saying, God, I'm, I'm good with you taking control of my life. But let's do this one day at a time. God is... He, he requires this of us. So that when I say this commitment to God requires our all, that his love and his truth demand our all, we don't know what that means. We will never know what that means. But the consistency of placing him in the driver's seat every day will change your life. And I believe that's what David was implying when, he, when we look at verse 1. and start looking at verse 2. The reality that his constant love and truth will change your life. And it's always for the better. Let's jump down to verse 3. On the day I called you, you answered me. And we read that and don't think much of it. The day I called you. In Hebrew, it's pretty clear. The day I called you, David said, God! Did you wake up? It's, he was beside himself. He didn't know what to do. He was in distress on the day I called you. And when he, when he yelled out, God, God turned his head and gave David his full attention. You answered me. That's what that means in Hebrew. God 
gave him his complete attention, that he was focusing right on him. Can you imagine that? God giving you his full attention. That's what David sensed in that moment. All the kings on earth will give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have promised. Promised? Uh, it's interpreted differently in different translations. Um, it means basically when words come from your mouth, all the kings will praise you. Again, it's this hierarchical reality that there is no king that is greater than God. And all of the kings of the earth see God as the omnipotent being, the one who rules, the one who is greater than all gods. And so all of the kings of the earth will give thanks, give you thanks, Lord, when they hear what you have said, the words that have come from your mouth. They will sing of the Lord's ways. Interesting. Ways translates into uh, a road or a course of life, uh, a mode of action. It, it is where we go. It is not just where we go, but what we do. And in this case, it pertains to the Lord's ways, the way He does what He does. There are none like God's. No ways like God's ways. You see, he, he does nothing small or insignificant, ever. God's ways are always miraculous. God's ways always transform. They change what is to become more like who he is. I'd like to share a video this morning about God's ways and how they impact a reality in our ministry in Congo. It was a challenge because even the church, even Global Fingerprint staff did not see the need for it. They said, why waste your money on kids that are useless? And some of the first kids were invited to come here and they said, oh, we can't go to a place like that. And, and I said, no, God has a purpose for your life and he can teach you and he loves you. And our, our goal initially was just to offer an environment, a family environment, where these kids could thrive because of the love of God and because we loved them. And God gave us the perfect staff for that, Pastor Martin and his wife and others 
who just totally love these kids, no matter their handicap. Our initial goal, our vision of seeing these kids transformed by the love of God has happened um, because they just blossom and they, they love being here. Um, and they're seeing that their lives have meaning and that God loves them and they're learning skills and they're a blessing to us. And they've been a blessing to the church because as the church has seen us love these kids, they've started to love them too. And they've started to bring them gifts and, and they're amazed at the transformation in the lives of these kids. Um, so that's been our initial goal and God is blessed and we now have three homes for younger kids, for older kids, and then a semi-independent living situation where kids that have graduated are still working for us um, and live together in a home. They're changing in the eyes of the world here. And some of our kids are involved in church and singing and welcoming and, and working. And um, that's our, our next goal is to really get them to be integrated into the church. We need more training, more help from specialists. Um, from the states or from wherever that can help give us better training. Um, our goal and our vision for the future, we already have the funding to build um, physical therapy offices. You can pray for that, that God would give us the right people to train us and to work alongside of us, to be a blessing to the community, um, not just to our own kids and Global Fingerprints, but to help others in our area. This whole project is opening the eyes of Christians in the church, and that's where we need to start. We can't change a whole society all at once, but we can help God's people understand the value of every life and the preciousness of these children. God is changing the hearts of his people, and we are just praying that that will influence all of society. We have one boy who wants to become the first pastor that's handicapped in our area. And so pray for him. Um, Heritage is his name in English. He just prays God for what he's doing. So thank you for being a part of ministry to kids with special needs and global fingerprints. So God's ways, based on his truth, his love, implemented into our lives, the ministries that we're involved in change things. Not only does it, in this instance, change the lives of the kids being influenced through the ministry, who up to then had been considered a curse or not taken care of at all by their families, uh, are given the opportunity to be able to see what they can do. Their lives are changed radically. Uh, there was a boy who had no legs from birth and he had been crawling around on his hands and in buttocks his whole life. Not able to walk, always begging, came to the promise home and through the ministry were, was able to receive prosthetics for his legs. So I came back to Congo and there was this young kid who was about 5'8", uh, who had been, you know, 2 feet 3 or whatever before, and just proud as peaches. 
And this kid is now actively involved in life. It's transformed him. Uh, there are kids with epilepsy, kids with any number of disabilities. I'm often reminded when I get there that two of my girls would be there. And just am ama I'm amazed every time I go at the change in the mindset of those who had kids, these kids, when they come and see these kids and what they're able to do. As well as people in local churches who are now involved in this ministry in ways they've never thought. These, these kids don't have any value. But it's God's commitment to the sanctity of human life that bears this fruit. And so... Again, his truth is transforming. It changes lives. It always transforms. My wife and I raised five sons. It took us about 30 years before we became empty nesters. Five sons. That was Fairly easy. I grew up with two brothers. And then we adopt two girls, and now we're adopting two more. I don't get girls. I don't know that I ever will. They're fun. And they're often complex. My sons played football or soccer. So they would come home and smell like most boys do after they've played football or soccer. My girls have, what would you call it? They have a, have a name for people who smell bad. You smell like a football player. And I get it. But it's a funny reality in our home now to have these girls who think, if you smell bad, you smell like a football player. I was one. So as we look at verse 6, though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. I think most of us understand the humble peace. And in both of these cases, when it says he takes note and he knows, it's this idea that God knows in a way that only God can know. He knows if you're naughty. It's like the ultimate Santa Claus, right? So he knows the haughty from afar. One time in my, a few days ago, in my quiet time, I came up with this, I don't know, it's, forgive me, this is a bit of who I am, came up with this graph thought. And this graph attempts to express this, where the humble demonstrate the aroma of the knowledge of Christ that we hear about in, in 2 Corinthians 2. 
So it's as if a believer, somebody who, who knows Christ, is demonstrating this wonderful smell, but the response of the proud to their interaction with God says, I don't need you, and God in, in return says, you stink. I know you from a distance. You smell really bad. In contrast to the believer who smells absolutely beautiful. I don't think any of us really want to stink. But the reality here is that as we live out our lives in Christ, not only will we smell good, but we will influence those around us. This is a metric that we use in our Kinshasa City Ministry is positive influence. And we actually look to see are our ministries changing not only the lives of the people involved in them, but the people around those people. And we've begun to see that communities are being transformed by the transformation of the lives of the individual people involved in ministry. Their families are being impacted. The work that they're able to do, the people that they're able to influence through their work. And it's changing things. And this yellow line, the line in the middle there, reflects the influence of godliness in society. So as we look at this, and as we read in verse, in the, in the last verses of this psalm, if I walk in the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand. Your right hand will save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Lord, your faithful love endures forever. Do not, do not abandon the work of your hands. The Lord's purpose the Lord's purpose for each of us, the Lord's purpose for me. Each of us was designed uniquely. We get back to the first couple of verses that, that God made us uniquely to glorify him in all that we do. All that we've been given is to be used to glorify him. It could be, I don't, I don't know if this next slide is going to work or not, but it could be your family, your skills, your relationships, your job, even your faith. 
God has given us these things. Are we using them to glorify Him? Is He reminding us this morning that He has made us for a purpose? That He has designed us uniquely for a purpose? To glorify Him. through the things that he's done for us. So we come back to the mission of God. How is this the mission of God? You know, the Lord's love and truth. He is a God who knows us, who can be known, and who loves us. God wants us to know this more than anything. He invites us to know Him, to explore Him more. He invites all of us. It's an open door. The Lord's ways, His ways are always perfect, always transforming. In other words, He can change your life. And not only your life, but the lives of those around you. This infinitely glorious God is capable of transformation in everyone's life. To take you from things that you say are impossible. Things that you can't get rid of, that you know you need to. to transform you into his image. In the Lord's purpose, he has prepared us for a purpose and he has given you all that you have to accomplish that purpose. And he's ready to give you more as you use what you have been given. This is God's mission for mankind. This is the heartbeat of the ministry that we are involved in throughout Africa. Sometimes as we share about one ministry or another ministry, it kind of becomes a blur because there's so much going on. But it's this that we long to communicate through our ministry. God wants wants you to know him. God can transform your reality to something that's far more beautiful. And he wants to use you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these truths, for your word, and again, for the experience of David that allows us to be able to see your mission for mankind, for each of us uniquely and individually. Thank you for these truths. You are so good, and we are so thankful. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.